following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. All right, again, it's good to have you here with us. If it's your first time, <clears throat> we don't want it to be the last. Amen. So I'll try to be on my best behavior. Amen. Be the nice, sweet fella that I, I really am. Amen. Job 17 this morning. Job 17. <clears throat> Thankfully, no one said too much on that. John 17. And let's begin in verse 10. Job. Did I say John? Job. Job. Did I say Job or John? Job. Okay. Pray for me. <clears throat> Job 17, and let's begin in verse 10. The Bible says, But as for you all, ye, uh, do ye return and come now? For I cannot find one wise man among you. My days are past, my uh, purposes are broken off, and the thoughts of my heart, they change the night into day. The light is, sh is uh, short because of darkness. If I wait, the grave is mine house. I have made my bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, thou art my father, to the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. And where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is, when our rest together is in the dust. My main text is verse 15 and the first part of this verse where Job asks the question, where is now my hope? Where is now my hope? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord God, I thank you for the eternal word of God. And Father, thank you that even as Job in his distress and discouragement, despondency, asked the question, where is now my hope? Lord, we know where his hope was. And Father, if we're saved by the grace of God, we know where our hope is. It's in the risen Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Father, Lord, I pray, God, as we are moving forward in this service, that Thou would help me to preach Thy Word today. Lord, I need Thy help. And Father, we need help to listen, to understand. And Lord, even as we begin this service I would, God, that you'd say hello to our friend, my friend Ken. And God, Father, we look forward to seeing him again. Father, bless this service now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Where is now, where is now my hope? Here in our text, Job is feeling despondent, I think, and depressed somewhat, and, and rightly so in some ways, because he is going through more sometimes than any of us could possibly imagine. He's not only lost all that he owned and all that he possessed, but the greatest of the things that he possessed were, was his family. He lost all of his sons, all of his daughters, and then if it wasn't bad enough, if it wasn't bad enough, he'd lost his health. And he's been going through some difficult time. He's going through deep water. And... Uh, I think being overwhelmed with uh, the sickness that he was dealing with and wondering if it was ever going to come to an end. Sometimes maybe even thinking that death would be better than this. And sometimes, folks, it is. 
I remember talking to Ken in the hospital last week and sitting in front of him and talk, spent an hour with him, and it was, a, it was a blessed visit. The hardest thing in the world for me to do was to sit in front of him and know that he was suffering and that I couldn't do anything about it. Yet the Lord did something about it. Amen. The Lord took him home. And yet, can you imagine the feeling that Job is having? You know, he's going through so much, and he's feeling alone because those that had come to be his comforters were now his critics. And let me say this, let's be careful of jumping to criticism over compassion, amen? Let's be careful of that. You know, folks, when people are going through deep water, let's not become their judge. Let's not play God in their lives. Let's offer the compassion of God, the comfort of God. And Jesus said, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Amen. And thanks be to God that God is a God of comfort. And here's Job going through all these things. And I don't think it was because he was some terrible sinner, and we've said this before, but folks, when you're saved by the grace of God, God judges your sin in Christ on the cross of Calvary. And when you turn to him and trust him by grace through faith, the sin question is gone. You'll never be judged again for sin, but in Job 1, Job 1, and those, though there were those that criticized Job, God had said many good things of Job. In Job 1 and 1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Folks, many great and good things he said about Job, and yet here's Job struggling. Job struggling in the midst of, of, of all that he, he believed about God. As a matter of fact, look with me to uh, Job 13. Job 13 <clears throat> Job said many things during this time. We might imagine maybe that somehow Job knew nothing about trusting God. In Job 13 and verses 15 and 16, even before he asked the question, where is now my hope? In Job 13 verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, Though we slay me, yet will I trust him, but I will maintain my ways, mine own ways before him. He said, though he slay me. Those weren't the words of someone who did not trust God. And yet, folks, till we've gone through maybe something, something similar to this, let us be careful about deciding that, they, well, they just don't trust God. Folks, the trying of our faith is trying and can at times be greatly uh, difficult. If you will, look at me, Job 19. Job 19, verses 25 to 27. Job 19 verses 25 to 27 Job you know folks Job uh, did have the prospect of a glorious future he declares that here he says in verse 25 for I know that my redeemer liveth and he shall stand at the latter day upon the, the earth and though after my skin worms destroy this body yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes uh, shall behold and not another though my reins be consumed within me. He's looking forward to the fact that one day he would see the Lord. He's speaking of the resurrection. He would see God in his body. Amen. And yet Job is asking the question, where is now my hope? Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. 
You know, thanks be to God, folks, that we have a Bible that God can use us to rem- use to remind us of things sometimes that we quickly forget. In Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> looking at verses 28 and 29, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, and to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know, God hasn't predestined some to go to heaven and some to go to hell, but rather he has predetermined that when we get saved by the grace of God, we will conform to the image of his Son. We'll be like our Lord Jesus Christ according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. To the glory of God. And I have a feeling that Job understood that and yet had forgotten it. Folks, you know, sometimes it's hard to see God and we lose the purposes of God in the midst of difficult trials. Amen? And God knows that. Job was experiencing sometimes what we all experience. Sometimes we lose God in the midst of it all. Job 23. Job 23. And we ask, where is God? In Job 23 and 1, the Bible says, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. You know, here's Job again. He's lost. I think he's in a way lost God in the middle of the difficulty and the difficultness of all that he's gone through, the great sorrow and loss that he felt, and then the physical uh, malady that he was dealing with and found no comfort in from friends on the outside or sometimes maybe feeling like there was no comfort even from God. Yet the Lord, the Bible teaches that, that, that and God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. Thanks be to God that when we feel like he's left us, he has not left us alone. Amen. Look with me to Psalm 42. Psalm 42 and verse 5. Psalm 42 and verse 5. Here the psalmist, I think, is feeling some of the same kind of despondency that Job is feeling in Psalm 42 and 5. He says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Now, you know what? He's asking questions because he's feeling some of these things. He's cast down, he's disquieted, he's discouraged, he's he's upset. He says in verse 5, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the health, help of his countenance. Verse 11, Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. You know, I think he's trying to reassure himself, cause himself to focus his attention on the Lord instead of on the problem and find hope again in God. But in Job 17, look back there with me, if you will. Job 17. And look at verse 15. And where is now my hope? And as we think about those words this morning, I want you to take these words personally and ask yourself this question. 
Where is now my hope? Where is now my hope? You say, well, I'm not going through what Job's going through. I'm not maybe necessarily going through deep water. But there is a question here that whether we're going through deep water or not, folks, do you have any assurance of hope in your death? Amen? Job was facing, he faced all of those things, and then the thought of death. Where is now your hope? Is it, or is your hope in baptism? You know, some believe that when they're baptized as a baby, that will deal with the issue of sin, and there, be, there, there might be some hope that when they die, that just hope, I just hope I'm going to go to heaven. I mean, after all, I was baptized as a baby. Now, you were probably sprinkled on your forehead and don't remember it. <laughs> Amen, you don't remember that. Someone exercised, if you will, they call it exercise faith for you by proxy. Amen. What about baptism of those who are adults? Does baptism itself give us any hope? Does it? Well, look at Matthew chapter 3. Let's consider it from Scripture this morning. Matthew chapter 3. And look at verse 13. The Bible says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. Now, you know what, folks? As far as I can tell, John Baptist was never baptized. Never baptized. But he went to heaven. Amen. As a man sent from God to preach Jesus Christ. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, folks, Christ is the example Christ didn't have to be baptized per se in the sense that he, he was, if you will, baptized declaring, if you will, in his baptism, the picture of the gospel. He didn't have to be saved because he is the Savior, but he was going to establish his church. And it was necessary as the leader that he would follow the plan of God in baptism. But folks, what is baptism? It's called a work of righteousness. It's obedience to God and His will for your life the moment you get saved by the grace of God. It doesn't save you, but it's an act of obedience to the God that did save you. If you will, look with me to Acts, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, What shall we say then to these, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Folks, when you're saved by the grace of God, you're saved to do right. Amen. And he says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, 
that henceforth we should not serve sin. But he's talking about here that baptism, scriptural water baptism, which is always by immersion in the scripture, amen, pictures something. It pictures the death and burial of, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, a, it's the picture of the gospel that saves us from our sin. The Bible says in Romans 1 and 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation uh, unto the Jew for, to all them that believe it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Folks, baptism is a picture of the one who saved us, the one who died for us and our death and our burial, and our resurrection to a new life by grace through faith in that Christ. Amen? But it doesn't save you. Folks, your faith, your hope cannot be in the, the following the Lord in scriptural baptism because baptism does not wash away our sin. But it's a picture of the, of the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. Sometimes people are confused about the purpose of baptism and the power of baptism. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1, Paul writes and declares to us and for us the gospel. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. How that Christ died for our sins, and that He was buried, and that He rose again, as the Bible says in other places, for our justification. We're not justified by the waters of baptism. As a matter of fact, it just is a testimony of the one who can and does justify us by a sacrifice and resurrection uh, for our sins. If you will, in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. <clears throat> and look, if you will, to verse 35. Now we know that Philip has been led by the Spirit of God to join himself to a, an Ethiopian eunuch who is sitting at an oasis in the desert. It just happened. To, he just sort of happened by. No. God said, there's a fellow over there by the oasis. I want you to go talk to him about something. He goes and finds him reading the, the scripture, Isaiah 53, which is a prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ and his suffering and death for you and I. And in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, you know, in some versions of the Bible, this next verse is gone. They'll pull it out or they'll put it at the bottom. And what they're doing is they're trying to take away its, its significance. They're, if you will, trying to validate their philosophy of, of, of what we might call uh, baptismal regeneration or forgiveness of sins through baptism, or life, if you will, with God through baptism. Then Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, Thou mayest, and he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I'm going to stop there. This is something that happened before he was baptized. And what a declaration. 
that this Jewish proselyte was making. He was a man that had gone on purpose to Jerusalem to worship God according to the Jews' religion and did not leave Jerusalem knowing God, but found God in the desert from the Word of God and a preacher of God. Amen? Who preached to him Jesus Christ and him crucified, suffered and died for you and I. And when he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he took him as his Lord and Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, in the face of what he'd been taught as a Jewish proselyte. He understood that forgiveness of sins was in his faith in Christ. And, verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the waters, this this oasis, this water, this pool of water, both Philip and the eunuch. Now, why did they go down into the water? Because to be baptized, you have to be immersed. He didn't stand in the water and reach down with a cup and say, okay, hold still. I don't want to miss. He didn't do that. They went down to the water. So he wouldn't miss, right? No. Let's read on. Went down both in the water of Philip, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Philip rejoicing in the salvation of a soul. Here this Ethiopian eunuch rejoicing in his own salvation and his obedience to the Lord and following him in scriptural baptism. But understand this, his hope was in Christ, not in his baptism. His hope was in Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, Beginning in verse 18. Sermon's getting dry. Hang on. First Peter 3 and 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. They only had to do it once. Amen. The just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the day of, days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, uh, a few uh, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. But folks, baptism is the like figure. Like what? You know, folks, when, when uh, God told Noah there's going to be a flood, he said, I want you to build an ark. Where was safety in the ark? Where was salvation in the ark? What did the waters do? They lifted up the ark Above the judgment of God, salvation was in the ark. You know what the waters did? They lifted up. They lifted up the thing that would save. In the waters of baptism, we lift up Jesus Christ, the one and only one who is mighty to save. We don't lift up baptism for baptism's sake. There's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. It's the answer of a good conscience, a clear conscience, because we put our faith and trust in the risen Savior. Amen? He says it, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. By what? By the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, if the dead rise not, then we are of all men most miserable, especially if we put our faith and trust in Christ, whom some say rise not. Amen. But we know he did. But is your hope in baptism this morning? Secondly, is your hope in your good works? Look with me, if you will, to Matthew 19. Matthew 19. Folks, we're taking the time to study the Bible. You need to know what God's Word says. You know, folks, don't just listen to me for, because, well, you're a preacher. You're going to tell us the truth. Well, I'm going to try. Amen. Jesus said of his word, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We need to know what the Bible says. In Matthew 19 and verse 16, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? You know, how many people have grown up in the world wondering, you know what? There must be something that I can do to merit heaven. And sometimes they spend their lives trying to find out what it is they can do. And this man approaches Christ and the Lord says to him, you know, what about the law? And he could do all the things that have relationship to man. He said, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? The lack, the problem that he had is his hope and his faith was not in God. And he chose another God, other than our Lord Jesus Christ, God, the Savior of the world. In Luke 18, Luke 18, many think, well, sure, I, I must be able to work my way to heaven. Luke 18, <clears throat> look at verse 9. And he spake this parable, and a certain which trusted themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood pray and prayed thus with himself, God... I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He said, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. What is he doing? He's waving the banner of good works. Hey, Lord, let me remind you of just how good I am. Let me tell you about how all these good things that I've done. But what does the Bible say? And the public in verse 13, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what, folks? He was, he was like we all have to be. We all have to come to a place where we realize when God says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that means you and me. Amen. We are sinners. We are in need of a Savior. And let's not play this game where we think we can make it on our own. Because we can't. We can't make it on our own. He says in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. If you will, look at Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. And we'll begin in verse 1. Romans chapter 5, and looking at verse 1. <clears throat> Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. 
And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed and brought in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You know, the moment you trust our Lord Jesus Christ by grace through faith in Him, do you know what? God, the Holy Spirit, takes up resident in the heart. And you know what He does to you? He, says, he reminds you, you know what? The love I gave you when I died on the cross of Calvary, you have received by grace through faith in me. Amen. Not by works, not by baptism, but by simply trusting that I did all that was necessary and that needed to be done and could be done. He says in verse five, 6, for when we were yet without strength. What is he saying, folks? You cannot save yourself. You cannot do enough to please God yourself. In due time, Christ died for the pretty good. He died for the sort of good. He died for the ungodly. And folks, before we're saved, we're all ungodly. We're without God, and we can't please God. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, folks, without strength, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Folks, Christ rose again to justify us. He took his precious blood into heaven itself, anointed the mercy seat of God, and offers mercy to every soul that will look to him for it. You know, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you know what God says? <clears throat> There's only one, one person that can bring salvation, one Savior. In Genesis 3.15, he spoke of the seed of the woman, the virgin-born son of God of Israel. The woman is called and spoken of as Israel, a woman. God gave us the, the Savior through the nation of Israel, through a virgin birth a miraculous birth, and folks, God wants to find us to find hope in Him and not in what we do. You know, listen, folks, if we could, you know what? If we're doing it ourselves, we're on hope. And folks, you know, find out that hope is worth nothing. It will leave us hopeless. It will leave us hopeless. In Titus chapter 3, <clears throat> Titus chapter 3. <clears throat> Let's begin in verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which is, set, shed, uh, which is shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Folks, he saves us. We cannot save ourselves. The Bible says, for by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But let me ask you this question again. Is your hope in your good works? If it is, you're in trouble. Where is now my hope? Where is now your hope? Thirdly, is your hope in religion? 
You know, one of the saddest things in the world to me is to imagine that billions of people will spend sometimes their entire lives striving to be as religious as possible and oftentimes with the single, the single goal of somehow getting to heaven and being with God forever. Only, only to find out that it's wrong. Only to find out that it's wrong. In Matthew 15, Matthew 15, <clears throat> Matthew 15. Let's look at verse 1. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, Then came uh, to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were the, of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat. Now here's the religious leadership. And they're coming to Christ, finding fault with him over something that's so huge. How come they're not washing their hands before they eat bread? Oh, how horrible. We've transgressed the tradition of the elders. They're not washing their hands. Boy, I'd have been in trouble right off as a kid. My mom constantly said, wash your hands before you eat. Now, she said it almost religiously, even though she wasn't religious. How silly sometimes, how sad religion is and how sad it can be when it emphasizes something that's so foolish. He goes on to say, but he answered and said unto them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Folks, the Lord turns it around and says, here's what's important. But for God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say. Now he's talking to the Jews who had been given uh, the pure religion of God as a nation, the word of God as a nation, to, to declare it to all the world. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. You know, sometimes people even take the word of God and they twist it to fit their religion, their religious traditions, and they're wrong when they do it. Sometimes they're deceived and sometimes it's deliberate to deceive. Jesus says, ye hypocrites, verse 7, well, the desires prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain that he worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You know what, folks? He's saying that people are vainly trying in their religion to worship God, and they're missing the boat. They don't know God. They don't know him. And what a sad thing to imagine that billions of people in our world. And, and you know what? Many may be worshiping God right now. Don't know the Lord. Their hope is only in empty religion. In John 4, John 4 and verse 19, John 4 and verse 19, here the Lord Jesus Christ is on purpose gone to meet a, a woman at a well at a time when he'd find her alone because she was an ungodly woman, a sinner in need of a savior. But he went out of his way to see her. 
In verse 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, you know what? This woman, who is as ungodly as could be, was religious. She was religious. Get a, get a glimpse of that. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. She was a Samaritan, half Jew. And you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. She's, she's debating religion with God. She doesn't get it. Her hope was in a false religion. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Now watch what he says here, verse 22. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation as other Jews. Does that mean it to be a Jew to go to heaven? No. He's saying that the Savior came through the line and the nation of Israel. He was born king of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And yet, folks, you know what? How many people spend their whole life striving to keep the precepts of a religion, and God would say to them, you worship, you know not what? Oh, so that's harsh, Pastor. No, folks, that's truth. You know, God wants you to know him. God wants to be your hope. He wants, when you ask yourself the question, uh, where is now my hope? He wants it to be in God, in our Lord Jesus Christ, not in an empty religion. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And look at verse 3. The Bible says, let nothing be done. Oops, excuse me, wrong chapter. Philippians 3, verse 3. Paul writing as a former Jew, a former Pharisee. He says, for we are the circumcision, he's a Jew, speaking of being a Jew, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might, have all, I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. I mean, folks, this is a pretty good guy. Religiously, Saul of Tarsus, when he was persecuting Christians, did as Christ said that they, that they would do. He says there's going to come a time when he that killeth you will think that he's doing God's service, John 16, 1. And Paul fulfilled it, and yet he faced Jesus Christ. He faced the gospel and got saved by the grace of God. But what things, verse 7, what things were gained in me, those I counted lost for Christ. What things is he talking about? All of his religion. All of his religious zeal. All of it. He said, I'm done with it. I don't want it to be my hope. Yea, doubtless, and I can all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the, all, the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know, the, the righteousness which is according to the law he spoke of was in them keeping the ceremonial law of the Jews. 
They, those Jews imagined that if they just were perfect in their keeping of the law, the ceremonial law, surely they would go to heaven. And Saul of Tarsus, who became the apostle Paul by conversion to Christ, understood something. You know what? My religion's been vain and worth nothing. And folks, it was the religion that God had established for the Jews, and yet, as I said earlier, they lost Christ in their religion, even in the practice of it. In Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, Paul writes here, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You know what, folks? The goal, the aim of the Old Testament law was not to point them to religious works, but to the Christ who would fulfill all of their religious participation. They, particip- they were to participate in those things in, in obedience to God because their faith was in the Christ. Folks, the, the, his, their faith was in the Christ to come. The goal of all of the Old Testament sacrifice was to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Not in religion. He wanted their hope to be in Christ. And when Christ came, they didn't want him. Many did not want him. Many did not recognize him. Look at verse 8. But what saith that the word is, in thy, is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul wrote of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as the day of salvation. The day when God shows you how lost you are, how needy you are, and the fact that you're hopeless without God. But you know what I appreciate about the Lord? Is when he gives us the negative, he tells us the truth about us, then he says, you know what? Here's hope. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, And the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's hope. Amen. In the midst of what feels like hopelessness, there's hope in God. You know, Job felt hopeless, even though he knew the Lord. But try to put yourself in his position and realize, man, what an overwhelming place to be. And he says, cries out, where is now my hope? Well, his hope was in God. And you know what, folks? God was there all the time and would be there all the time. At the end, the Bible says that his latter end was better than the beginning. You know, God is more concerned with your latter end than your beginning. He wants you to be with him forever and forever. Amen. 
Let me ask you this question. You know what, folks, as I said as we began, let this question, let you ask yourself this question. Where is now my hope? What answer, what answer do you have? Is it God's answer or the wrong answer? This isn't a test, really, but maybe, yeah, in a in way, it is a test. Listen, you don't want to get that question wrong. You don't want to get that question wrong. And I'm going to tell you something. I know with all my heart, Ken wants you to ask yourself that question today. Where is now thy hope? Ken didn't die a hopeless wretch. He didn't die that way. But will you? God doesn't want that. God loves you. Folks, he proved it when he came to the cross of Calvary and shed his precious blood for you to give you hope in death. Where is now thy hope? Where is now thy hope? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.